You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Just trying to uh, get back to normalcy here. Obviously, we're getting closer and closer to the regular season. We're going to start trying to get these shows up, you know, like you guys were accustomed to, you know, get them up for you, you know, the night before. Uh, just see everybody has them, you know, morning time, ready to go, all that stuff. So, obviously, that is the plan. Hopefully, we can adhere and stick to it. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at underscore Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open, ideas for the show, send them over there. As always, Locked On Browns, at Locked On Browns. All lowercase uh, DMs are open, follow back account. Any information you guys want to get to me, all questions you have, you know, where to get me, where to find me, where to hit me. Going to sit down with Pete Smith here today from Sports Illustrated. Um, Just an amazingly crazy day as far as, you know, way information was coming out and you have some doom and gloom. Um, you know, and I guess me being the New Jersey resident is going to have to take a, you know, a blow here or two, I guess, somehow he'll find a way to relate this to me. Um, Pete, but probably somewhere around, you know, 10 ish, a little bit afterwards. Um, maybe there's a dozen or so more players and staff members who have tested positive for the coronavirus. Then it start more information starts to leak out about false positives by one of the, you know, one of the testing, uh, medical facilities here in New Jersey, who's apparently, you know, been having some issues with this lately. Um, you know, a little little time later, everything's cleared, practice is back on, but by that time you couldn't have any media in, and you probably didn't want to risk the media at that point. Um, players who were part of the positive tests um, were not obviously welcome to practice today. You got to string together two negatives, so as long as they, you know, show up tomorrow, test negative again. Um, no, no names were given, obviously, to this point, but um, a situation, and Pete, it was, I, I guess he needed a plan in place because God forbid something does happen. Um, and it seemed like the Browns were pretty quick and pretty intelligent with the fact of just saying, all right, we got to shut everything the hell down. You know, we got to adhere to the guideline that the league, you know, we agreed to with the league, with the players association about what's best for our players, what's best for our facility, our staff members. Um, so at least they got to activate that plan today. Um, even if it had turned out to essentially, I guess, be a fire drill. Right. So this all came down to a lab in the 49th worst state in the country. Uh, What's the 50th? I mean, it's hard to argue against Florida right now. Um, uh, that's true. <laughs> we, we got Florida, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but apparently a bunch of teams sent uh, their samples to New Jersey in a lab and, and came back with a bunch of positives over double digits for the Browns. Uh I think eight for the Lions, a bunch for the Jets, among other teams. And the Bronze immediately said, all right, we're shutting it down. Uh, they had the players who, who had already arrived at the facility were told to take a COVID test. Told on a Zoom call uh, what was going on. Uh, they got the retest back uh, and, and it proved negative. So they were able to open the facility. So in that respect, it was sort of like a fire drill of sorts, and and I guess it proved effective. Um, you know, they ultimately decided to go with a, an unpadded practice, uh, which some people were upset about. I don't really care. Um, if, if they want to get work, they can get work however they want. They weren't unable to practice or any of that stuff. Uh, so they didn't lose anything other than, I guess, some time in the facility still able to do meetings over Zoom and stuff like that, which they've been doing uh, for so much of the offseason. That's probably pretty normal for them. Um, I mean, I guess 
it's a little bit of a scare in that sense, but it, you know, it, it didn't mean anything. And, and, and I think it was the right decision. Um, I think even if you, you know, at, at, at the time of this report, there were only four teams in the entire, or four players in the entire league on the COVID reserve list. So when all these people came back to positive, at least raised some eyebrows. Um, it's not impossible that that could happen. Uh, certainly with what you're seeing going on in college, it's just a, a very different environment. They're not on campus. They're, you know, they're, they're going between home and a facility that's, you know, restricted access. Um, but the last thing I wanted to do is have guys at the facility, which could include players, could include staff, um, that were sitting there worried that maybe this was true and they're, they don't have their, their, you know, they don't have their head in the game. They go out to you know practice and somebody's distracted or just not fully there and miss a block or, or you know, don't, you know, cross their T's and dot their I's and somebody gets hurt. So from that standpoint, I think it's the only way you can sort of operate. Um, and again, they didn't lose anything. But this does raise the question, what happens, you know, if this occurs, uh, you know, a Sunday and they have a game to play, you know, what, or Saturday, as I expect the case will be, uh, what, what sort of, what's the process at that point? And I don't think they have a real answer, but at least for, you know, a scare of sorts, a fire drill, you know, it seemed to go pretty smoothly for everybody. Um, my first thinking was, and with obviously the day off, um, I guess that was Friday was thinking, oh man, are we going to hear something stupid where, you know, a whole bunch of guys maybe got together. And I mean, as far as that, look, I mean, the players themselves, they're already together, but you know, was, you know, were there more people involved? You know, did they, and you, you this is what you worry about and it happened with the Titans, you know, with younger professional athletes, especially where they're still 20, maybe even 21 years old, um, you know maybe sometimes you have friends at local colleges and, you know, you spend time with them and just because, you know, you're of that age group. So, you know, that was definitely my first worry um, was something, you know, something drastically stupid. Um, but then there was also the flip of the coin where, you know, to have, and you look at these other, you know, I guess major league baseball is the only example you can use is, you know, when teams have been hit, it's, you know, you know, one, one positive test, then maybe another one the next day, and then maybe one or two the next day. It did seem odd that the number was as high as you know Mary Kay was reporting it as over a dozen, but you know she's only given the information she was given, and then of course you know they reel off that you know they believe that there was a possibility there was a bunch of false positives, but you know definitely a uh, you know basically you know clutch your chest there. I mean if you're looking for football here this fall, um, getting something of that that you know went down this morning, and then as quickly as it was turned around because I mean it just kind of seemed like you know all right we're back. Um, so, but, you know, but no Browns live today. I do agree. There was no reason to put on the pants at that point. I think, you know, probably some players probably really had like an emergency break moment. Like, wow, you know, is this it? Maybe is this the 2020 season? Is this, is it over? And then obviously with some guys not being there and then you had your questions about them, you know, it was probably better to err on the side of caution and maybe just go ahead and get a workout in. Got a new sponsor to bring in here. We're going to get to that now. We're going to get to the Malcolm Smith signing, um, the Kevin Johnson news. Um, yeah, I, I guess positivity is cool, but, you know, until I say it, I believe it. Um, some talk on Rashard Higgins, and I guess we're going to have to get to Earl Thomas more rolling through on what is your Monday Locked on Browns. Talking about erectile dysfunction is easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. 
look, sometimes it's okay to maybe say that you don't have the same heat on the fastball. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who could prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free with two-day shipping. This whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash X and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there is Roman, Roman's complete online system. Visit it today and connect with a healthcare professional, a healthcare professional and take care of your issue. Again, RomanHealthcare.com slash X. Again, Lockdown NFL is the promo code get get roman.com slash locked on nfl as we cruise on here um and now pete with all the craziness of today there was a signing um you know, malcolm smith now this had been rumored um apparently he was part of the workouts the other day it was never confirmed by anybody but he is now in the fold here uh i don't know if this is just you know a move that was done based on mac wilson it certainly could be. Is it a move based on you really only had B.J. Goodson, who was a veteran with playing time, in the room as well? Um, B.J. Goodson, I think, has looked better than we all thought he was going to at this point. But the the coverage has never been there. Could this be where it is maybe Malcolm Smith comes in, plays some nickel, maybe plays some dime, um, where maybe you know uh, B.J. Goodson goes off the field, you've brought in a veteran, former Super Bowl MVP, and here the title in New Jersey again today, guys. He was actually the uh, Super Bowl MVP of the Super Bowl that was played at MetLife here in New Jersey. Um, Ten-year veteran. Um, there's been times, Pete, where the play was good, but like really quickly fell out of favor with Seattle. Oakland, it kind of never really happened. Uh, the 49ers brought him in, gave him $11 million guaranteed. He barely played for them. Um, then Dallas, he played some mop-up duty in December for him last year as you know, uh, they were getting ready for the postseason when they had some injuries. He can cover, but I mean, you know, he's a 10 year veteran, you know, 31 years old. Uh, what's, what's the brain trust behind this move, Pete? Um, so Malcolm Smith is 225 pounds. He's uh, what we would call a spur. He's sort of a quasi linebacker slash safety. Um, he, Theoretically, is designed to be a coverage guy, but his career is really up and down in that regard. Like there are some years where he's great in coverage. Last year, he had pretty good coverage, uh, and there are years and and he was awful against the run. There have been years where he's been pretty good against the run and awful in coverage. Um, right now, he's a body, and and that uh, you know I'm sure the Browns signed him with a role in mind. It might be uh, more passing situations to try to get a little bit smaller and more athletic. I just don't know how much more athletic he is anymore. Uh, and based on what <laughs> good point, he, you know, right now he comes in as a will uh, a, a, alongside, uh, you know, he, he'd be in the mix with uh, Jacob Phillips and, and I think Tate Davis is in that, in that mix uh, with Mac Wilson, you know, there are reports that the news is going to be good, relatively speaking, that it could be six to eight weeks, not require surgery, but that's six to eight weeks. I mean, that could be week three, that could be week five or six. Um, 
and you still have to carry him on your roster. You don't have those reps to get up. Uh, but the thing is, like, in what I'm watching, BJ Goodson is good. Like, yes. he's good. He can cut you. Like, he's gotten a lot better in coverage, and that's not to say he's perfect or anything like that. And, and obviously, he had the interception in the last practice that was uh, shown. But he's just been pretty good at, at getting around and covering guys. Like, he, he was, it was something he came in and, and really – said he wanted to prove he could do and, and thus far I think he's shown that and and to me Jacob Phillips has been the most impressive rookie of this class to this point and I you know Mac Wilson's injury obviously contributes but, I, but but based on what I've seen I don't know how Jacob Phillips won't be the starting will against the Baltimore Ravens to open up the season he's good like I, I still question if he's good be able to hold up physically and I I, I imagine teams are going to try to run directly at him but the big question with him was, you know, he played so fast at LSU, had some trouble with physicality at times, but he would beat opponents to the spot and he would sniff out plays before they get started. And he's still doing that. Like he's still able to play that quickly and get to get to plays fast. And whether he's tapping off or, you know, making tackles, he's not like a thumper. He doesn't make highlight hits. He just gets the guy on the ground. So, um, I, you know, he doesn't draw a lot of clips, but if I was to, if I was to project right now, I think you're starting linebackers for, for the Browns right now are, uh, BJ Goodson at Mike Backer, uh, Jacob Phillips at will. And then on the occasion you need it, Sione Takitaki is your Sam. Um, maybe that will change, but I, I, I doubt it, at least in my view, based on what I've seen, um, there's still, you know, almost three weeks until, uh, we get going or well, two, I guess three weeks from today. Yes. Uh, so you, you've got time to figure things out. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. But I, but, I, but my inclination is, is Phillips is only going to keep getting better. It's really a question of if Goodson can sustain and maintain or Taki Taki can pass him. And, and I think Taki Taki's been better the last couple of days, but I think he's still a step slow. So my guess right this second is, is Goodson and, and Phillips are starting linebackers. Um, you know, look, Goodson, and I think with Goodson, I think you see, you know, the just how well he knows things. Obviously, you know, look, you expect him at a linebacker to know things well, but you see him directioning and pointing. And, you know, the big play to Hooper yesterday, he called it, you know, he called it before Baker even set his feet like, crap, we're done. We're toast here. This should, you know. So, but you've seen him, you know, the read reaction skills are there. Um, and, and just as far as, you know, the energy he's bringing, um, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's been just been fun to watch for me for BJ Goodson thus far. You know, Jacob Phillips would have had another would be sack yesterday. Um, Sione Takitaki had a decent coverage rep against Kareem Hunt, which is just going to always be something that he has to work on. And look, you know, guys can maybe get better, but she, you know, there's just certain things you can't make up for. And, you know, Sione Takitaki is a good athlete, moves pretty well. The, the hips are a little stiff. So, I mean, coverage is always going to be something that has to come with him. Malcolm Smith, look, I mean, if you're in here as a 10-year veteran, you know, you're probably not making much money. Do you still want to cling on? I mean, he's made some money in the league. Um, here's an opportunity. Uh, you know, the Browns could use some help, you know, with coverage at their linebacker position. And certainly these guys can, you know, maybe watch him and at least maybe, you know, pick or pick a thing or two, at, you know, out of the, his work ethic or what he does to succeed. Um, but there's a, there's a need for one here now. It's an opportunity. We'll see. I mean, I, there's no guarantee Malcolm Smith's even on, you know, the, the week one roster for Baltimore. But it was, you know, it was a move. And of the names that were available, you know, talking about guys with experience, you know, when they've succeeded, he was, you know, pretty much, you know, the list at this point. 
Pete, the Kevin Johnson news, and I think this came from maybe Ian Rappaport first, but, you know, all these things. And this is why I hate when I talk about this stuff and try to give somebody credit because everybody's got, like, the same information within, like, a minute and a half. Um, sometimes it's just who tweets faster, for God's sakes, or whatever it is. But, um, you know, trying to, you know, hopefully ramp up the physical activity to, you know, and I, I don't know how much he would have lost in less than a week. Um, you know, and that's where, I mean, I'm wondering, and maybe with all that's going on right now with the lack of communication, just due to the, you know, the way things are and everybody's got to be so far away from each other, was the injury not nearly as bad as it was labeled? I don't know. I don't know much about a lacerated kidney. I'm, you know, didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, guys. But it, it seems like there's some people talking like where Kevin Johnson could be ready by like Baltimore. And I just, I don't know how to believe that if, you know, what we were physically told is, you know, he had a slight laceration of his kidney. I just don't know how you're ready to go in three and a half weeks. Well, so there's some levels to this that are, that are interesting. It turns out that when this happened, he did stay at a holiday Inn express last night and he's going to tell us all about it. It turns out that, that Kevin Johnson uh, didn't get like leave practice when this happened, which is no, why it's so unusual when we found out, you know, later that he had gone to the hospital because he never left. It's not like they, they took him off the field. He, he didn't leave. Uh, apparently, they didn't, you know, sort of realize there was an issue until after practice and then they took him to the hospital and stuff. So it, it at least sounds like. It was so like small that it wasn't an issue enough that would force him to to leave. Now that doesn't mean it's not a big deal. Obviously, you know, it's something that needs to heal. But you know, if he, you know, if if you get to there's five grades to a laceration of an internal organ. Grade four and five require emergency surgery. You know, it, you could essentially bleed to death uh, internally. It was nowhere near that, uh, and then a lot of the, the rehab really just required strict bed rest, uh, which would, which this sort of alludes to. I, I think that's still going to be what he has to do, and there's a ramp-up period, but that's largely just to get him back in shape. I still think two weeks is very optimistic. Uh, when I wrote about it, I, I still thought it would be closer to a month, um, which is which is fine. That's still you know good good news. Um, Kevin Johnson has been excellent thus far um in camp um and and, and playing the nickel this this particular issue apparently happened while he's playing the boundary um so you know all of this comes as good news in the fact that both mac wilson and kevin johnson you know that look like they might be season-ending injuries for these guys aren't uh it's obviously better news from kevin johnson just from the standpoint that it's not you know a, a potentially life-altering medical situation for him um, yeah no doubt so you know the, the, again I, I think two weeks is very optimistic I'm not saying that can't happen but I would say get ready for for three to four which is why I think they said week to week in the first place I, I, I that's usually a good indication of a timeline of, of about a month um, you know some people like to think that that's well it's you know, basically like a 50-50 shot he'll, he'll be ready to go <laughs> you know, this week or next. And that's not really how that goes. So, you know, if it's two weeks, that would be great. Ultimately, I, I want him, you know, obviously to be healthy for his own sake and, and and to be able to play it safe so we don't have this. Because the, the risk is if you, you know, even as you're, you're moving around and sort of contorting your body just in your life, you know, this was a, a more serious thing that it could risk reopening and potentially a, a 
follow-up trip to the hospital and, and, and that bleeding. But, you know, suggesting it could be this quick suggesting really, really, like, you basically almost just nicked it, for lack of a better word, and there's probably an, an insignificant amount of blood, but enough to, you know, get checked out and, and feel better about it. And, and, well, the thing with Kevin Johnson was is, you know, it's it wasn't a big derailment that he got injured because the entire cornerback roster had been playing so well, but maybe it was going to be an issue for Kevin Johnson if he was going to miss extended time because, you know, Terrence Mitchell's out there making plays day after day. You got a bunch of young guys at the position. So, you know, if Kevin can get his name, get it back in the mix quicker here. But look, it's, you know, first you got to get it back in. He's got, you know, he's got to have his negative, uh, you know, COVID test to get back in. You've got to have him just move around to make sure he doesn't jostle anything loose again. And then you start to graduate to where maybe he can have contact. So we'll see where it is going to be on Kevin Johnson. Um, but, yeah, certainly nice to hear that, you know, it does not look anything all like an IR and, and maybe where it might not even be, you know, a season at all for Kevin Johnson. Going to get to a little bit more here. Um, you know, a little Rashard Higgins. And of course, we'll get to a little bit of Earl Thomas. The you know, another more news of the day here. More coming on your Monday. Locked on Browns. Hey guys, I want to tell you about a new website that just launched August first. Uh, called Ohio versus Everyone The site covers all Ohio sports and pop culture. They have in-depth, interesting articles about the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Browns, and the Indians, Cincinnati Reds, and Bengals. Ohio State Buckeyes, and more. Matt Brett's recently wrote a piece. Um, I was reading that, and I've seen that the Indians, what's working for them right now, starting pitching. Um, and obviously with the you know issue with you know Clevenger and Plesak, you know, what could maybe the Indians do? And obviously got another strong showing uh, last night from a young rookie starting pitcher. Check out Matt Brett's article over at OhioVersusEveryone.com. It's all your favorite teams, all in one site. And because they cover all the teams, they only want, they only bring you the best and the most interesting topics. Check them out again. It's Ohio versus everyone.com. That's Ohio BS everyone.com. Pete early Saturday. And you know, obviously, you know, there was some, you know, moving around with the wide receiver position and whatever's going on with Cadero Hodge. Obviously you hope it's good, but Rashard Higgins out there. Um, and basically the first play of team, Ball thrown from Baker to Rashard Higgins. Um, there's not been much from Rashard so far in camp. Um, and we've talked about this the other day with, you know, some of the things they're asking of these number three wide receivers, whether it's a Tyron Taylor, whether it's some things that Donovan Peoples-Jones can do, you know, where, you know, basically you're using them in jet motion or even running reverses with them. Is Rashard Higgins in jeopardy of making the opening day roster? Uh, yeah, I would say he's in jeopardy, but that's that's largely by virtue of the fact that the difference between wide receiver three and wide receiver six or seven or ten is pretty marginal. There's not a ton of separation. Um, and as we've talked about previously, you know, Richard Higgins may not be, you know, the type of receiver this offense necessarily needs. He's a conventional receiver that fits an offense that wants to use three receivers more often. Uh, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones has been in there in three receivers because he's, he's got a unique skill set. He's big, he's strong, he's explosive. He's a uh, great catch. Uh, he's a great hands catcher, and he's he's effective after the catch. And when you're on the field and you have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, or, who, you know, or David Njoku, you are the last option 
you wide receiver three is really option about you know five. So you don't need to sort of prioritize. Well, he needs to get open and make catches. I mean, you can certainly go that way. That I mean, Higgins has shown he can do that. Uh, but if they like what they're seeing from Peoples Jones, and clearly they have based on what they've seen, that they've been willing to at least put him out there with the first group. Uh, then that becomes at least an option to think about. Like you can make that sort of a big player, big play uh, option as opposed to, you know, a move the chains type guy. Because you know, again, you may not be looking for that in why just went in your fifth option. You may be looking for more of an upside play. Uh, you know, and that you know, Damian Ratley's obviously missed time again, as he did last year's camp. Uh, but that was sort of his draws. He was a big, tall, speedy guy that could, you know, theoretically stretch the field and doesn't does those type of things. Uh, you know, DJ Montgomery, same type of deal. Uh, I don't think he's been out there the, with the ones at this point, but Taewon Taylor has. Uh, yeah. JoJo Natson has been, I think, with the twos. I don't think he's been with the ones. But those are, you know, in, in Taewon Taylor's case, he's really fast uh, and, and agile. Uh, and a guy who can do things with the ball in his hands. Uh, Jojo Natson, just a pure uh, speed threat and, and a guy who can who basically get the ball and act like a returner. Kareem Hunt, same deal. You're just trying to get him in space and make plays, and that's what people's Jones is. Higgins is none of those things. He's he's the old, reliable, move the chains. And it doesn't mean he can't make plays because obviously he did. In 2018, he made a bunch of big plays, and they missed him but it doesn't require it. So any, I, I, I think any receiver who's not named Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham is at risk just because I think the way they look at their position could be different and that the, the level of talent they have after those two is, is relatively close together. There's no like obvious next guy. Higgins just happens to be the most experienced. And, you know, we'll see. They've, they've got a couple weeks to sort of figure this out. But I, 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 you know, based on what I've seen, it, it, you haven't seen a ton of Higgins with with Baker Mayfield at this point, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. It may be a situation where they're sitting there going, "Well, we know what he does, and we want to see what these other guys can do to sort of evaluate, uh, to make a decision." And, and and maybe they'll be going up against Higgins sort of down the road. But uh, this is sort of one of those things you lose with preseason games, is you don't get a sense of, you know, actually getting to see it under the lights and that type of thing and, and getting that. But you know, in what you've seen, I, I think. It's it's wide open at that uh, at that position. Uh, it, it most certainly is, and look, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to, and you know, Hodge plays you know good special teams. Ratley contributes on special teams. You know, Natson, Peoples Jones, one of those two. You know, obviously, you know, it looks like Peoples Jones is going to stay. Natson's got returnability. Um, Rashard may end up in a numbers game here, and again, you know, it's. You know, and as you were saying, you know, maybe it's oh well, we kind of know what he does. This staff doesn't really know what he does, so I mean, it's it's a tough spot here, and you know, it's going to need to be more than oh, I have a really good relationship rapport with Baker. Well, that doesn't matter if you're not going to be on the field. Um, the Baltimore Ravens, um, regardless of the player that Earl Thomas is now, um, and I'm sure Earl Thomas still thinks he's the greatest safety that's ever played in the NFL. Um, he, he they moved on. Um, Earl is become surly this is what happened in seattle obviously this has been in the case in baltimore um I, I wouldn't you know i i don't you know i wouldn't say he threw a punch at a teammate um you know to get himself to the dallas cowboys 
But, you know, Earl is, you know, been vocal in the fact that he'd like to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Interestingly enough, when the news broke yesterday morning that, you know, the incident and Earl was not going to be there at the facility on Saturday, the Dallas Cowboys were quick to, you know, move or maneuver around Tyron Smith's contract um, to create a nice opening of um, money in the salary cap. Um, they also recouped $3 million with the Gerald McCoy uh, contract, you know, when he blew out his uh, quad um, either way, I mean, look, the Ravens are not a better football team. I mean, they can say, oh, well, this, the locker room, the harmony, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear that. Um, Earl Thomas was still a pretty goddamn good safety. Um, so, you know, whatever that you want to say about that, you know, the Baltimore Ravens took a hit. Look, I understand them. They are focused on a Super Bowl and said, look, we just can't do this anymore. Um, but it, they're not a better football team today than they were, you know, two days ago. This comes down to culture versus talent. Um, and clearly, this had to be the last draw, and there had to be something, some, some more significant um, issues. There was, I mean, you don't know how they felt about the off-season incident with his brother, and you know whatever ended up happening with his wife um, after the Week Four game last year, when the Browns beat him in Baltimore. He had issues with, um, I believe it was Brandon Williams who didn't play that day. Um, so he was, you know, running his mouth to him, which is kind of ironic, seeing as he quit on Nick Chubb's long touchdown run late in the game. But, you know, you get to a point and, you know, with, with you got a lot of line, is, is there going to be a point where, you know, his ego and, you know, him thinking who he is is going to cost you games? And I just, Ravens obviously just felt it wasn't worth the risk. Well, I mean, again, I think I think we're going to find out more details of how bad it was. The only reason we found out so much about this one is because Earl Thomas, whenever he's presented with a situation he thinks is going public, he goes public and makes it worse. Um, so... <laughs> I, you know, I'm waiting to see what else is to come out. I think there's far more to it than this. I, I doubt if they weren't going to move on from him at the time of the uh, off-field thing, I think it had more or less got, you know, gotten past it. I, I, th- but this came down to basically players saying, we don't want it. We, we, we don't want to play with this guy. And we'll see how that works. Earl, you know, Browns fans will remember Earl Thomas giving up the uh, Ricky Shields Jones big play, and they'll see him, you know, giving up on the Nick Chubb play. But he was still really, really good in coverage. And their their secondary of Marlon Humphrey and uh, you know Chuck Clark and Marcus Williams. Marcus, you know, I mean, though they they had a really, really good secondary, and going from Earl Thomas to Deshaun Elliott is a drop-off. Deshaun Elliott has played in six games and has six tackles. Uh, But they, you know, whatever they lose in the short term, they may be better for it in terms of the chemistry and and playing to assignments and and Earl Thomas potentially freelancing and sort of doing his own thing, which is what happened against the Browns uh, that that allowed that situation to occur. Uh, But that's sort of the trade-off and, and it's an expensive one They're, the the ravens are going to try to get uh the league to waive his 10 million dollar uh guaranteed bonus this year uh he's obviously going to fight it if they if the ravens lose they're going to be on the hook for 15 million dollars this year and 10 million dollars next year 10 million dollars next year might be in a year where the cap is lower so they are making this choice at significant expense to them because apparently the juice is not worth the squeeze and apparently he was doing enough damage that they didn't feel like they wanted to deal with it. And and it's covering up other warts that are going on with the Ravens. There are 
some quiet rumblings about Lamar Jackson and his, his worry or, and, and a worry that he's more concerned about branding himself than being a great quarterback. They're still excited about him. They still think he's going to be great. But, you know, the, there are some some questions being raised about that. So, you know, the, the Ravens, are, and I think some of this is they feel the pressure. You know, they are a team that was 14-2 that lost the, you know, their first game of the playoffs. Uh, they are feeling the pressure to win the Super Bowl right now. They, they made moves to get them closer to that. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to go out and make another move. The thing if I, I find interesting about this whole thing is, is had this happened like, I don't know, a week and a half ago, maybe the, Jet, the Jets don't get as much for Jamal Adams as they did from the Seahawks. I don't think Earl Thomas would be a Seahawk again, but it, it might at least limit some of their bargaining power. Maybe it doesn't change anything. But right now, this certainly would point to the Dallas Cowboys because everything always does. But <laughs> I, I don't anticipate him playing in the AFC North. I don't anticipate uh, anticipate him playing really anyone that's going to be a huge factor in the AFC. I think he's going to end up in the NFC from that standpoint. It probably works out better for the Browns, even if the Ravens are ultimately better served by making the team. And if he ends up in Dallas, uh, it'll take him from being on the schedule twice in 2020 to being on the schedule once in 2020. Um, and Lamar Jackson, yeah, please keep telling us how you'd like to bring a guy like Antonio Brown in your locker room because that would make a lot of sense. Um, that's going to put a wrap on it here for your Monday locked on Browns. Uh, make sure you're checking out Pete Smith, all the work Browns digest on SI.com. Make sure you're checking out at underscore Pete Smith, underscore again, me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, the show itself at locked on Browns. Um, guys, uh, subscribe, uh, five-star ratings, written reviews, please. And thank you. And, uh, with that, this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound LGB on the yellow B. Let's go Browns.